In today's episode of Mostly Banter, we're excited to have Dr. Michael Breggy, the superintendent of Beverly Hills Unified School District. Dr. Breggy is known for his dedication to student growth and academic excellence. His leadership has focused on creating student-centric initiatives, and he brings a wealth of experience from previous rules, including classroom teaching across various levels. But beyond that, we will hear about Dr. Breggy's story and how he got to Beverly Hills. Located at 303 North Crescent Drive, Beverly Hills Market and Deli isn't just a market, it's a Beverly Hills institution. Family owned for over 30 years, they've been serving our community with a personal touch that's as unique as Beverly Hills itself. Their commitment to quality shines through in every aisle, from the freshest produce to exquisite wine and cheese selection. If you really want to be Beverly Hills, shop at Beverly Hills Market. Let's talk about their deli. Whether you're in the mood for a classic sandwich or something a little bit more gourmet, their deli offers a variety of delicious, freshly prepared options. It's the perfect spot for a quick lunch or to pick up something special for dinner. For our Mostly Banter listeners, Beverly Hills Market is giving a free drink with the purchase of any sandwich for those who mention Mostly Banter to anyone. Plus, for those busy days, Beverly Hills Market and Deli offers home delivery and catering services. They even custom order products to meet your specific needs. It's the level of service that really makes them stand out. So, whether you're a longtime resident or just visiting, make Beverly Hills Market and Deli your next stop for all things delicious. They're more than just a market. They're part of our Beverly Hills family. Visit them at 303 North Crescent Drive or check them out on their website for more details. I am really excited today to have on Dr. Michael Breggy, who is the, you're, you'll correct me when I'm wrong, the um, superintendent of schools? What is the official title? Uh, superintendent of schools for the Beverly Hills Unified School District. Okay. So that's a mouthful. It does is. that say that all on your business card? It does. Okay. It does. <laughs> Should I ask well, for that? I think that? you have to because superintendent could be a lot of different things. So superintendent of schools. Okay. So today, you're used to people, you're going to come on the air. You're not really a podcast guy. It took a while to get you convinced to come on this, and that's okay. It's true. Um, this is going to be more about who you are than what you do, but um, we'll go in and out of what, what goes on, and we'll talk about just education not from within Beverly Hills on out from your job, because there's massive pressures on that, um, but really who you are. So if it's okay with you, let me welcome in Michael, Dr. Michael Breggy to the Mostly Banter podcast. So that's the official inch opening. How are you today? Awesome. Thank you so much. This is uh, my first experience with a podcast, and thank you for inviting me. In our beautiful podcast studio. It's really nice. Right? This is impressive. At KBEV. This is great. Notice I used the word hours. I'm like, glomming onto it, but I have nothing to do with it. I just come in and help out in any way I can and put this podcast on. So it's fun. So let's just spend a few minutes if we can. Is it, Would you prefer to call you Dr. Breggy because a lot of students will listen to this or can I call you Michael because that's how I was introduced to you? Which do you prefer? I, I mean, if, it, around students, it's uh, usually... Dr. Breggy, but um, if it's more casual, Michael works just as well. Perfect. So let's do this casual, but for all students, when you hear me say Michael, think of Dr. Breggy. There you go. Okay. That works for me. So Michael, where'd you start out in life? Where are you from? Uh, originally from uh, Mount Prospect, Illinois. So it's a Northwest suburb of the Chicago area. Wow. And I say wow in that um, I say this repeatedly. Everybody's heard me say this. My wife is a Chicago Bears fan. She has never been to Chicago, never flown over the airport, never been in Chicago, never even 
anywhere close. And people say, why is she a Bears fan? Well, first, when we got married, it was Mike Dickin. The Bears were very popular nationwide and the Saturday Night Live skit and all of that other stuff. But the truth is, she always will say deep down when you press her, is she's never met somebody from Chicago that she doesn't like. And that's Midwestern value. And I think that that's pretty cool. So you grow up in a suburb. Um, Where is Mount Prospect in relation to downtown, to the lake? So uh, northwest suburb, so probably thirty miles so from the downtown. To Milwaukee, am I thinking right? On the way to Milwaukee? No, no, it, it's northwest. Northwest. So, okay, yeah. that's north. You got to go up the other side. Okay. Yeah. So suburb area, um, about thirty miles from downtown. Good place to grow up. Great place to grow up. It's uh, it's always made the list of um, the the nicest uh, suburbs to to live in and raise kids in uh, since they've been doing that kind of survey. So and, and seeing as how you're in education, did you go to public schools or private schools? Or no, always you... uh, public schools. Uh, that's why my parents uh, wanted to uh, live there and have a home there, and um, and they did for over fifty years. And so myself, my two sisters. All went through public school. Okay, so we learned you have two sisters, but I have a thought. So we're going to weave in and out of, like I said, what you do to who you are a little okay, bit. Okay, good. So so public schools in Illinois growing mm-hmm. up, like you just mentioned, it was the dream. Hey, I'm buying a house in the suburbs. I want good schools. Define what's a good school. See, like that's a biting hard question, right? Look, he paused. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's funny. That's a really good question because I, I don't know. I would answer that differently if... I wasn't in education, so like before and kind of That's growing why I asked up. That's for you. What's a good a school great, growing up? Great question. Um, I I know growing up, it was uh, being in a place where it was it was part of the neighborhood, and it was uh, a place where you could safely walk to school. Um, did you walk? I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. It was that close to school, um, and it, it was a very good system. It was a, um, a system that, a school system that had a good reputation. Um, it was in an era where there was a decrease in enrollment, kind of like now. Yeah. Um, and so they started to close schools. And so this school district uh, kept their schools open. They did some consolidation, but it was just had a good reputation and it was very much of a neighborhood type school. That's how I grew up. Same same kind of thing in the public school system. Mm-hmm. Walked to school, did those different things. I remember, of course, you used to have paper drives and you'd have all those things in elementary school. Yes. And the school was a social place, too. And I don't mean social as an old, let's just chit-chat, but it was sort of the foundation of who you are because we all grew up together. You know, it's like the kids that grew up in the San Fernando Valley with me, we all grew up together. Kids that grew up in Beverly Hills, they're all going to grow up together and they'll have that in common. And that's what links them together later on in life. So that's, that's kind of interesting. So you had a nice childhood in school. Where did you go to high school? I uh, went to school, uh, high school, Prospect High School, which was uh, in, it was two different districts. It was a, a district that had uh, like kindergarten through eighth grade and then the high school district. But it was the same students that, that went to both. And both do you have friends from that era today? I do. See, that's what I, we're saying. And I also think that's a little different as the decades have gone on. Um, completely different from what we see today. Yeah, and I don't know if it's, that's a cycle and we'll get back to it, you know what I mean? And, and will society will evolve that way? Or if it's just something that, hey, that was, what is it, your days of yore, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's something I think is kind of interesting because I've spoken before about my experiences in high school. How many kids were in, in your prospect high school? Uh, 20, 
500 students. So big one, like me. You yep. grew up with a lot. Sure uh, did. Mine was strange. I, I'm not going to ask you how old you are because you're much younger than I am, but did you guys have the divisions of A6 and B6 and A5 and B5 splitting when kids were enrolled in school? And I'm not sure what... It, the answer means that... That's yeah, because it's no. completely different, yeah. Yeah, it means no. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we'll go into a crazy topic. Did you ever read the book Outlier by Malcolm Gladwell? Oh, yes, okay, yes. Okay, so remember he's uh, talking about right place, right time when yes. a kid's five years and, and 300 and something days and we're thinking he's smarter, he's faster, he's a better athlete, he's all of that yep. versus a kid who's five years in one day. Well, they, they sort of had an answer to that when I was growing up in that they split when kids enrolled in school. You were either in the A group, not as in better, or the B group, as in, so you had older and then you had younger. So you didn't have that 365-day split. Right. You would come in January to whatever the cutoff is, exactly halfway through the year, and then after that. So yep. if you were in this window that they set up, you were in the A, A6, or well, in that instance, you would enter kindergarten in the spring or in the fall, to make it simple. Yep. And then they did away with that for my group in the coming out of elementary school. So it was the sixth grade. Okay. So you had a choice. Parents had a choice for their children. Do you want your child to have two seventh grade years or do you want them to skip to eighth? Hmm. You, you either are holding back the half year kids or you're pushing forward the other half. Of the right. Year, right. Right. And it was a very challenging discussion. And I found it to be when I read outliers, it was an, uh, an aha moment mm -hmm. because, oh, wait a minute, is it better to be the first kid that drives for, for your social part of your thing? Is it better to be, well, I've got, I'm, I'm that older person, I've got a little more age, so it gives me a little more head start? I, I don't know, but it was just, it was interesting. And our high school class had 3,700 kids in the school. Wow. Not in the class, we had 1,700 in our senior year. Wow. So it's just, it's just kind of interesting, right, for what, for what you do. So... Back to you, because this isn't a podcast about me. You're the guest. Actually, that's very interesting. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and I find education interesting because I think that we all, oh, it's just academic. And I'm the first one to say, I don't want to talk or listen to an academic. No, no, that's, that's some of it's just sort of fun. If you think about it, it's very impactful. Like I said, if I could do it over again, I would do exactly what I did. I stayed the extra time in seventh grade. And the reason I did that was... It was my choice more than my parents, but it was more my choice in that it allowed me to take classes that they were starting to offer. And I think I told you when we were chit-chatting about, hey, yo, come yep, on, you boys did. food. Yep. You know, it, it, you wouldn't have had that opportunity. You would either take a shop class or this or that because you didn't have chances for electives. It gave me that choice. And it also gives you a little confidence because it's not that you're smarter than, but you have an extra half year of education then the other kids, and then it blends itself out. So you're in high school, 2,500 kids, nice yep. size. Yep. Um, good time in high school? Great time in high school. I was a student athlete and... Um, What'd you play? Also a good student. So I was a gymnast. Um, not that this would be shocking, but I, I, when I was in middle school, I tried out for the basketball team. Didn't make it, um, you know, as Why someone who's 5'7 so now. Um, and, and my parents had this just did the right type of parenting strategies and said that you find something that you like. And 
So I found uh, gymnastics. And so that's something that that really uh, propelled me uh, in many ways. It helped me academically, learning about teams, competition, um, supporting one another, and then just, you know, just How being... about anatomy that nobody would think about? I know. You know? Yeah, that's true. You know? So, but that was, and that was my, uh, really my go-to during high school. So um, had a great time during high school. And like you mentioned, still have friends today. That's, that's, that's like important, I think, because it's where we came from and where we go. I have uh, three really close friends that we, we may not have seen each other for four or five, ten years. Yes. And then we come yeah. right back together. And now yep. we get together and we'll play cards every couple of months. And it, it's, it's honest because they've seen me when I was a kid. Yep. I've seen them. You know, it's like there is no secrets. And we, we like each other for what we are. Yeah. You know, there isn't, there, there's no conflict. It's just they're family, even though they're not blood. So that's right. kind of a, a, a neat thing. Okay, so now you're in high school. You're a gymnast. Mm-hmm. Are you good enough to earn a, a scholarship? So um, I didn't continue in after my senior year due to some injuries, but um, yeah, I was very successful as as a gymnast and um, uh, was going to continue in college just due to some injuries. It, it just couldn't. It's hard. It, yeah, I mean, I mean, my body even today is uh, pretty beat up. I've I've broken. Um, over 15 bones. I have 33 stitches in the back of my head from hitting a high bar. And, and would you um, do it all over again in a second? Oh, in a, in a, absolutely. <laughs> in a it, second, was, it was it right. was the most valuable experience at such a young age. Yeah. Well, I, I look at, like when you see gymnasts and people like that, it's like, oh, they focus on building their core. They focus on their muscles. Nah, I don't want to do that. That's I want to go play basketball. And there's nothing matter playing basketball. It's really good. There's a different set of skills there. Yep. But man, you want to get strength. You want to see how, where you can really push yourself. You watch some of those people. And the same with the track people. And right. It's it's just, it's a mental toughness that you teach yourself to do. So. It is. And it's it's the type of sport where it's it's you're based on your individual performance as well as your team Team. performance at the end. So it's a little bit different sometimes than basketball and football where you can get stats on how well you did, but you really are performing as one person, but yet that one performance is part of then the entire team's overall performance. So you learn a lot. It's two kinds of pressures. Yes. You have uh, my compatriots, for lack of a better word. I can't let them down. And then, God, I really want to do good or I'm disappointed in myself from that. Whereas in basketball, somebody can pick you up. Yep. They can't pick you up when you're all by yourself uh, doing, you are all doing by rings yourself. or whatever. You're by your yep. lonesome. Um, you know, not to go way off on a tangent, but I've always liked and admired watching the Olympians as to what they do. And it, it's it's so amazing how talented these people are. And yet, us casual fans, we sort of d- dismiss it. Oh, you're, that one's not very good, but that one's great. Do you or anybody know that's like how great these people are? that make the Olympics from let's from a prominent country. I'm not talking about a really small country where there's three people that tried out for the team. Right. But any Canada, you know, any of these they're the they're elite and in every aspect. And the ones that we're dismissing, oh, they're not very good, they're great. They are great. Did you see that in like in high school? Like I'm good, but there's somebody else and wow, look how good oh, that one is. A- absolutely. And, and if you look to see um, I guess even a better example might be like ice skating, like like just you know what they're doing now. Like if you look at at you the know old film, right? Yeah. Just just like what they didn't think was even possible, like number of rotations, and same thing with gymnastics. That we didn't think what I see today didn't think was physically possible. Right. Correct. And so to see what they're doing now is 
it just it blows my mind. So yeah, and and there's like leapfrog moments or or, or eye catching moments that you go, uh oh, this person's really not just raising the bar; they've leapfrogged. They've yeah. jumped out of the building. And the one was um, Olga Corbett. Yes, for me, in yep. that like, okay, had all these great people, and nobody had ever scored a ten or done any of these different things. Yep. And then this young woman gymnast comes into the world and wow and then yep. that opens the floodgates for she's been in the news recently mary lou retton and you know from, yes. the, from the female side right and uh, we had one in our high school that uh, i can't remember mitch gaylord i think oh yeah yeah mitch gaylord yep. went to our high school grew wow. up in the valley so it's like well yeah but yeah. when you get 3800 people i mean there's a lot that have come from the southern california yeah, but, area. but mitch one of the best yeah and and these are talented humans and again it's their sport you can go into what about the basketball one what about right. the baseball ones? What about these? But it's all based on that nucleus of environment of what you grow up yep. with. So that was my little comebacking. I'm coming back towards education a little. We're weaving. No, I love it. It's, it's a big part of, of education and who I who I well, you know have become. And we're going to get into kind of what you do a little. But the, the interesting thing for me or the challenge, if I was sitting in your shoes, would be how do I get students to find their passion? You know, how do I get kids to be more than just what I was, which, okay, you want this, I'll give you that so I can get out of here and go do what I want to do after school. How do you get students, that's a fair question, um, to really lock into a passion and build on it? Or even if it's not a passion, give it a chance. It could be English literature. It could be history. How do you do that? So I love that question because that's, I think, one of the biggest changes that since you and I were in school that we see now is like, how do you find that passion? And in the past, it's always been, you know, kind of an if this, then that. You go to this class, then you go to this class, and you go to this one. And what's really transformed over the years is that you have more opportunities and experiences now not only for a variety of classes, but even for more practicum experiences to, to find out early on, is this something that you're interested in before you get to college and then you start picking and choosing where you're going to go? We now have, especially in a community like this, is we have so many partners that we work with, provide our students with like real world experiences to even see if this is something that you'd like. To taste the food is is a good way. Right, right. because sometimes we even get people that are a first year teacher that you're a first year teacher and and that may be the first time where you realize that this really isn't for me. Yes. And 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 you're now impacting, you know. And that's more valuable actually. Yes. Than oh this is for me. It's yep. more valuable because yep. if you eliminate the things that I don't know, it helps you focus on what you do. I'm going to tell you like a, a regret publicly. A regret oh, is, nice. a, and this is a question for you also okay. and going back. If I could tell my young self something and I was really honest about it. I was a very bright young young student, mm-hmm. but I could care less about, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. I want to do what I want to do. I want to go play. I want to go have friends. I want to go, go to games. I want to, whatever I want to do, I want to make money. I want to do different things. It wasn't about learning history. Right. That all came later. So if it was telling myself, my younger self, something, so if students are listening, because we have Dr. Breggy on, <laughs> that was for you students, um, <laughs> I would tell myself, and this isn't like, anything other than serious i would tell myself focus on what you're doing enjoy the moment you're sort of trapped in the room whether you like it or not so you can sit in there and stare at your phone clock we didn't have those but stare at the clock on how do i get out of here or you can say i'm going to give this a chance so if i was telling my young self something it would be give myself a chance 
And I always have said, you know, please forgive me now. I'm sure there's some rule. Um, time forgives you for the crime. Spanish class, I had zero interest in Spanish. Yeah. And it's not nice to say this. I shouldn't say this to an educator. But I found by whatever means necessary to pass Spanish. I will tell you, I didn't read the books. I didn't do the homework. I did nothing. But I found my way because it was bright enough or I could talk my way through um, and, and get away with passing a class um, with any excuse by any means necessary. And I'm going to tell you publicly and you, if I had paid attention and learned Spanish, even to be a novice beyond just you grow up in Southern California and you have a beginning comprehension of you know just certain words that have become sort of intertwined in English. Mm -hmm. But if I had just become novice, it would have meant millions and millions of dollars to me in my career as a sports agent. Yeah. So by being that person that wasn't motivated, it wasn't that the teachers weren't good. The teachers were great. I just wasn't interested. And I, and I think that that's sort of an inherent sort of apathetic way that students get locked into. It's what's more fun for me. And if I were talking to myself again, the message would be, don't, don't do that. You're in the mm -hmm. room. Give it a chance. Okay, your turn. What would you say to your younger self? So I would. Mine would be pay attention. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I would absolutely agree with that. But I, I also think that, um, you know, it's the responsibility at that age is more on the adult than it is the, the, the child. Because here we are trying to answer that question, you know, about what we would have done. And, and it's that's the power of teaching. And so while we had great teachers, you know, when I look back, I think. I got to interrupt. Yeah. Some were great. Well, some were good. And that's my point. Some so. were just like I was. Right. Okay, I'm looking at the clock and there's a paycheck at the end of the yeah. day. And that's really, you know, when you say, and I agree with you, like, pay attention. But at that age, that's the job of the adult in the classroom uh, about teaching and learning is, is that's where you need to be that teacher that does that. Because if you think back, and I'm sure it's the same way with me, and yeah, I want to do better. I want to pay more attention. But I did that in the classes that teachers were made it fun, made it real, made it instead of turn to this page and, you know, there's 23 problems on this page, we're going to do them all. Yeah, and it's boring to everyone if you're teaching history, American history, in second grade, fourth grade, sixth grade, eighth yeah. grade, tenth grade, eleventh, twelfth grade, because it narrows us down and I've heard this and then it's like, okay, turn the page and just you're memorizing dates. So yep. motivating yep. people is, is sort of a challenge. But I didn't know if I got a clear answer. Did you have what would you have told your younger self? I absolutely to to pay more attention and also to to challenge myself a little more. Um that's fair, because I, I think that's yeah. kind of that that's a better way of articulating what I was gonna say, which is I coasted through. I didn't do the work. I, you know, whatever you can do. And I don't, I don't mean to say, well, geez, he's admitting that he just was a goof off. No, no. I, I realize it was important, but it was important to me for different reasons. So for you, I think you're kind of saying the same thing. If you really give it some more effort as opposed to less than, I will say sort of merging our two, that's a good thing as you go on because I will tell people you're going to yell. 
it doesn't matter what you, where you start. It matters where you finish. Right. Right. So it doesn't matter if you're in school and you're not the popular kid. You may think it is in the moment. At that moment. You're going to get through that. And oh, by the way, you may be the rock star neurosurgeon that graduates cum laude uh, from the highest and finest institution, making lots of money, having lots of friends and everything else. And high school people that made you feel uncomfortable, ignore yep. it. Yep. So I, I, it's hard to tell somebody that and they are able to just do it, you know, do as I say, yep. and uh, maybe as a little bit as I did, but it, it, it's a challenge. Um, but, but so I was that people. student though, that where like, you know, I would purposefully not challenge myself if, if, cause I knew I loved teaching. That's why I went into becoming a teacher, you know, before becoming a principal superintendent. What? And what I would do though, is if there was an honors class um, and I didn't like the teacher or the teacher didn't have a good reputation from right. friends that were, then I didn't shout I because I I knew I wasn't going to like being in the class and and I when I think back to that I it, it shouldn't have been about that but I wanted more of the experience and I wanted the teacher that was all in and sometimes I would go into a regular class instead of an honors class just based on the teacher and that's really because I knew at an early age that that's what I wanted to do so I actually had an eye for that like who's going to be a really good teacher, I want to be in that class. Right. Interesting. I mean, just really quickly, you made me think of something, you know, a good sort of chasm of college and what professors can be good, bad, or indifferent is that silly movie that Rodney Dangerfield did, Back to School. Yes. And and the reason for that is, is when somebody wants to learn and they want to be in a history class, they have to do it. It makes a lot of sense. And that's sort of a fun way of looking at it. I have a, a, a friend, he's a college professor, uh, and he's a psychology professor, and he always says, you're my life coach. I go, oh, God, the world's nice. in trouble, and you're in trouble <laughs> if that's the case, that I'm helping him out with that. But I always ask him, and this is college, and Psychology 101, I said, most of these kids don't have any interest in becoming a psychologist. Zero, as a matter of fact. So I said, you need to write something on the wall, and I have two tests for you to do, to give to people. First thing is when, they, when kids walk in, write on the, it's a, I've learned, it's no longer a blackboard with chalk. It's a whiteboard right. with, the, with, the, with the, the pen, and then there's a way to take it off. Yep. Um, write on there and cover it up with one question. Why are you here? Hmm. And you tell them, you can give me any answer you want, but if you don't have an answer, there's the door, get out. Wow. And in I college, you can do that. In high school, you can't. Yeah. And the answer could be something as simple, uh, Dr. Breggy, as, because um, we're academic, I'll stay with Dr. Breggy. <laughs> um, it could be something as simple as, I have to take a science. I have no interest in science. I'm in theater. This is ridiculous. But I've heard that of these horrible topics I have to take, yours is the easiest to do, so I enrolled in here. At least that's an answer. It is. The answer, I don't know, get out. Go yeah. find that answer before you come into any classroom. And if you have that attitude, it's kind of good. You know, it, It's a good way to do it. That was one. And the second was a laboratory experiment, which <laughs> kids in today will go, oh, you're just an old dude. I said to him, I said, I want you to ask all of your students. He has 150 over, I think, three or four classes at the university. Yeah. Have them all stand up. And I say, and this is a, a place like Beverly Hills High School, which is an older school. It's not built new. You guys are doing good jobs of renovating. And we ch chatted briefly about a brand new school that's opening up in Beverly Hills. We can talk about that a little later. But I said, tell everybody to stand up and then say, what time is it? Don't, don't say anything, but what time is it? 
And then you that looked at the clock that's on the wall from 1968 when this building was built, it's all good. Thank you very much. Please sit down. And then it was um, whoever looked at your phone, please sit down. And that was the biggest group that sat down. And I said, of how, how many were left that looked at a wristwatch that wasn't a smartphone watch? And out of 150, I think he told me there was 11. And wow. of the 11... Of the 11, um, I think there was two people that identified themselves as a female. Notice how politically correct okay. I'm being. Yeah, that's good. Um, and and um, those two people that identified as their, themselves as female, they were wearing a watch that was given to them by, let's say, their mother or their grandmother. So okay. there was a sentiment to it. Yeah. And then same as people that identified themselves as boys, the majority were that way. And and some the, there was two people that I just like watches, two. So when you look at it, so if you looked at it at the numbers and said there's 150 and you look at the percentages, that's ridiculous. That because is. if you went back four decades, that number would be flipped and yep. it would be you would have only 12 people and they yeah. had no wristwatch and right. the only way they could get time was on on the, on the on the wall wow. so it's like that's how times have evolved and changed and it creates challenges i, I would think so back to your story a little mm -hmm. bit so you go to college yep where um went to indiana state university for the first two years um then uh took a break from college uh, didn't know exactly where I wanted to go. Didn't like this was two years into college and still trying to create my own pathway. I knew I wanted to be a teacher eventually. Wasn't sure. And in college, they level. gave you those great classes all over again. You got yep. to take uh, undergrad you history. You got to take English. You got to take, yep. yeah, go ahead. Yep. <laughs> um, and, uh, but wound up uh, in the Dallas area. So oh, I lived wow. in Dallas, uh, Texas. Well, was there a job opportunity? So I, I, I took a little break. So I, I, I went to school for two years and I wanted to take a break just to, um, I, I, I knew I wanted to go into teaching. I wasn't sure if I wanted elementary. I wasn't. So I took a little bit of break. I got a job with American Airlines. Nice. And um, I became an international flight attendant at 20 years old and um, said, I'm going to, my parents were very upset. My, when I told my parents, they cried. Um, and, really? and said, um, you know, look, if you, um, you know, if you're going to leave, then, uh, you know, if you ever, because I said, I'll go back to college and they said, you, you, you won't. So, but if you know, you're going to have to pay for it yourself. And so I knew I would, because if I said something, I, I would right. do it. And so and paying for it yourself, now you're invested in it. So yeah. there's more of an appreciation than it's all handed to you. And, and at 20 years old to be in a position where, um, I was, Flying around the world as an international flight attendant, learning skills that I didn't have, and that was you know working with other people and um, you know their flight attendants, um, pilots, uh, working with Le customers. You knew how to work with the team from gymnastics. Hey, we're all part of the I team. Did. But now you're learning real life skills and in out schedules, unhappy right. people, twenty happy years people. old, yeah. and having to uh, even just within a, a flight crew, sometimes having um, you know coming up with resolutions, personalities. Yes. Um, but then more importantly for me, what really was uh, something that just changed my whole life was just the the learning about different cultures and different people and um and how different it is if you're flying to tokyo versus you know uh, uh sao paulo brazil and so that at 20 years old to have that kind of exposure was uh, i didn't Wait, think about it at the time tell, tell, tell me about that so you go yeah. to tokyo 
I know Japan very, very well. I think yeah. it's 37 trips. It might be 38 that I've been wow. to Japan, you know, from the baseball days. But as a flight attendant through that optic, it's a challenging career. Don't anybody think it's all glamorous? Oh, you get to walk up and down and hand people beverages yeah. and their food. It is hard, and it's it's they they found a way to squeeze all the money out of it. So these people are working like crazy for what you just said. I get to fly all over the place. And there's a big medical safety piece. Yeah. So like when you're on an airplane uh, for 12 hours, um, you know there's a lot of there's medical incidents. I mean, I've had people have heart attacks yeah. uh, during the flight. There's a lot of medical pieces to it. It's not just about uh, serving a coke. We somebody going to Japan of all things. That passed away on a flight. I had that as well. And they turned the flight around. They were over. They were over Alaska. Came back to Los Angeles. Drove us because they couldn't put everybody from the near LAX. They took us all the way to Anaheim at the at the hotel right across the street from the convention center and from Disneyland, right near there. It was like insane. And then back to the airport the next wow. day to take the flight out. And again, think of the flight attendants. They at least got a break because, okay, we're back here. We'll house. We'll go. It wasn't the same flight attendants, but it's a challenge. But through your optics, you enjoyed that because now you're staying in hotels. You're out of the – you're not sleeping on the plane for people that don't know. The flight attendants go to hotels near the airport, and then you come back. That's kind of cool. It was great. It was a. It was just. It was. It was something that wasn't planned. But um, you know, when I look back, it, I, I. I developed a lot of skills that I would use later on in life. And it, it, no matter what job you go into, it's about relationships. And so at 20 years old and having and meeting new people, it, it, it taught me those skills about building relationships. Well, quickly, what was your favorite city? Like if I said, okay, that's, favorite city. So that's uh, Brussels. Brussels. I, oh, I love Brussels. And it was uh, that, and, and anywhere in South America. I mean, it, every place had its own charm every place had its own um uh you know fun characteristic uh you know, we were you know we would fly to places where we knew then you know there'd be special guides to help people we, we kind of knew the best of the best yeah because we'd go there and the hotels knew us and so they had yeah, you're guides. On a regular schedule it may not be hey michael breggy and you know miss smith and miss jones and whoever and mr so-and-so but we know it's going to be the next crooks coming in, so they yep. know how to help out and make it as good as possible for everybody. It was great. It was it was the probably the best experience of my life. Um, if I if I wasn't so focused in what I wanted to do in life, that's you would have a career. In that lane. And, and if you notice, if the last you do a lot of those international flights, that that that's a job where people just don't leave. It, it, yeah. it, there are people that have been flight attendants for fifty and sixty years and haven't retired. And I'm sure you've probably yeah. seen that on some of your flights, because it's really it's it's more of a lifestyle than it is a job. At sometimes, and it gets better the more seniority that you have. Oh, that's interesting. I did something different um, for me, and that when I flew to Japan, I wanted to be in Japan the minute I got on the airplane. So I only I tried to fly exclusively ANA air, airline, which mm-hmm. is all Nippon airline, yep. or or ANA. You know, obviously yes. everybody's trying to nickname it, or JAL, Japanese yep. airline. Um, and I like that experience for a strange reason. The television is Japanese. So I'm watching the English subtitles and learning all about Japan through yeah. the fable. And there was a, a, a guy, his, a little story, like a, a folk hero type of guy. And he's going to all these different places. And I'm, I'm learning all about it in Japan, little remote places. And I'm seeing Japan that way. And I kind of enjoyed it that so way. So that, that experience for you yeah. was something that I did several times a week. Yeah. So if you think about like just expanding that, like that's how exciting cool. that it's, was. It's, it was 
very so nice. Awesome. Again, that comes from having yep. learned in school. Gee, I should have done and paid more attention. Yep. Let me learn yep. with everything I can while I'm on here. I can go, oh, God, let me look at my watch for nine hours or 13 yep. hours, depending which way you're going. The difference is it was real, though, yeah. because you it wasn't learning about it through a book or a video. It was you land there. Your experience. And that is your, your, the, your culture from one week to another changes. And it's shocking when you go to a place like Japan because there's no cheating. You can't speak Japanese unless you know how to speak Japanese. Right. You can go to um, a Spanish-speaking country, a Latin country, because as a general rule, some of the English words, even though they're not exactly like, you can figure them out. Yeah. You know, you can kind of communicate to a 15 20% level yep. of comprehension, whereas in Japan, maybe there's a handful of words, Coca-Cola. You know, that's right, kind of right. it. You know what I mean? You can the, get by. Yeah, you can. that's it. But you can figure it out if yeah. you stop and you listen and you learn. So how long did you do that before you came back to Texas? So, now, so if you hubbed out of Texas, that's American Airlines? So were? American Airlines. Nice. Okay. And um, so I, I was a flight attendant for um, about three years until I – then I got the seniority to where um, – this is when American Airlines bought um, TWA. Sure. So all of a sudden I got all this seniority. So I had these the great schedules and I said, this is the perfect time. Now that I can pick the days that I work, I can go back to school. And so I went back to school. Um, I was living in the Dallas area. Um, nice place. It was great. So I, I was uh, taking uh, courses during the week um, to finish my uh, degree where, in math. Where, where? This is now the University of North Texas. Nice. Okay. And so I was working on my degree in math. And um, so I did, I uh, went to school during the week and then I would get on a trip as a flight attendant on Fridays, come back on Sundays. And that became really my life for the next 20 years. And because I kept the job. So I, I, I finished school, became a teacher. And I said to myself, I'm going to quit the flight attendant job as soon as I become a teacher. Well, I became a teacher and I had my seniority and there was a, a working opportunity within our flight schedules and our union contract that allowed me to, you still bid, you bid your trips like for a month and then you could trade them, you can give them away so that you can, somebody else can make the extra money over time and it comes off of my schedule. And there was a little bit of a loophole here. So I, why would I quit? I didn't well, have to Brady's quit. Michael Molini's working the system a little I in did. high school I, on how we I get through. I did work. I did. <laughs> I did. So I became um, kind of named the flying teacher because I was teaching high school math and I would be teaching Monday through Friday. And on Friday afternoons, I could jump on a, a international flight because most of them leave in the evening and fly to London and I would was the flying teacher because I would get on the flight. Everyone knew that I just came from working at school. I, they would help me grade homework. They would help me grade things. It was um, a, a remarkable experience. And then and then get in London. We would land the next day in London. We'd have 24 hours there. Uh, we'd fly back. I'd be back Sunday night, and I'd be back in the classroom on Monday morning. And I did that uh, for 20 How years. How is technology at this point when you're doing this? Are you are we cell phoning? Are we? No, not at first. No. So uh, we didn't. So this was I. I started with American Airlines in '86. Um, ah, okay. And so that came later. I mean, I remember. Isn't it amazing? Like the iPhone is like 2006. Well, I know. I know. It's like, and it seems like, wow, how do we live with that? And it's like, how did we ever live without it? Right? And I, I know. Got it. 
I know. You know, quick story, a fun story about travel. It sort of interrelates, uh, interrelates, and we'll come back to education with it. So, um, my son Daniel mm-hmm. went and had the opportunity. He was invited to a John Hopkins university as a he was identified in school as you can go on this thing and we're, we'll take these classes and i had wanted him to come to japan and he took at the time a laptop which was that apple clamshell looking thing oh, right. to try to go online and he took his courses this course while he was in japan for whatever we were 12 14 days mm-hmm. and he's in the hotel room doing the work and doing the classroom stuff and emailing it in very early days. Very, Amazing very, to have very, that technology. very, very interesting. I want to yep. say that's like 2003. Yep. I, I'm thinking like yep. that. And it was quite yep. an interesting... Yep. Ev- and, and, and now we look at it and go, that was so primitive, you know? <laughs> And, and how did you ever dial yeah. a phone that way? Right, so, you right. know, uh, so that's cool. So you're teaching and you're in a weird way having your cake and being able to eat. A hundred percent. Okay. So now we, yeah. when do we say, okay, I have enough seniority and I got enough pension. I got enough from American Airlines to double up. That's such a great question. So I, I, I said that I knew I wanted to go into administration. So I, I loved teaching, but there was I, I wanted to do more. I wanted to have more of an impact on, on what was happening at the school level. So I knew I wanted to become an assistant principal and then a principal. And so I kept saying to myself, like, I'm going to keep doing this. I'll keep the flight attendant job until, well, at first it was until I became a teacher. Then when I knew I didn't, I could have both. I said, when I become an assistant principal, then I'm going to, then I'll give up, you know, my salary will go up because uh, teacher salaries were very low in Texas at the time. So very it, was, low all over. It, it was nice to have, you know, both incomes, but when I became an assistant principal then, so I went back, got my master's, and then um, I uh, became an assistant principal. And I thought, why am I going to let this job go? And so I kept that job. And I said, when I become a principal, because that's going to be more time, I'll give up the job. I became a principal. I was a high school principal for 10 years. And I kept the job I because I I didn't have to work every weekend. I could give my trips away. And um, I my seniority was so good at the time, it I could hold a schedule because it's by month that had three Tokyo trips on it, which is we'd be three days on, seven off. Yeah. Three days on, seven off. Well, for somebody to take, because we get paid by flight time, somebody to take a three-day Tokyo trip to someone who's new and needs the extra money, and I'm... You know, if it was if it was during the week, well, I have to be you know at school as a principal. That somebody would take that trip off of my schedule, so I still was able to retain all of my seniority, my insurance, yeah, my your benefits. Well, it was which great. Were far better than, than was, we were paying teachers. It was great, and I did that. And I said, I and I knew that one day I wanted to be a superintendent, and and said when that happens, as a superintendent, that's when I'm going to give this up. And so. Um, I became a superintendent in 2010, and um, and that's essentially what I had to give up the job because there was, and it was slightly after that, it was the merge with US Air, where I had they people like me that were you know having their cake and eat it too. There were doctors, dentists that were flight attendants as well. So all of these people doing what I'm doing, right? And the company said. Look, that it they, they knew squeezed some, you guys all out. Just so you know, I as I understand it, you can't do that today. Cannot do that. And and, no. and they they've made it so challenging yep. that it's just a job on a bus for yep. airline people. But I want to focus on something. Sure. So you graduate you graduate yourself 
from, okay, I've made enough of an income. I don't want to use the word well-off or whatever, but you've right. achieved kind of what you want to achieve and you've got a nice security foundation. How do we get to Beverly Hills? Great question. Wow. Um, Cause we're now, okay. So we're Illinois. Yep. We're finding ourselves as we grow up, great childhood. It sounds yep. like great parents, great family, got siblings, get into Texas get the cake and eat it too, which I can teach. I can do flight attendant. I'm yep. experiencing the world. And we can compare, by the way, great restaurants in Tokyo. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I, I'm not a Europe fan, but we had the Toysher family on, the ones who do Toysher chocolates, so oh, Switzerland great. and the Swiss chocolates yes. and all that. Um, and that's great experience. I don't know that it's so easy today in today's mm. crazy world, but now we get to, okay, we're in Texas. We're a principal for 10 years. How do we get to Beverly Hills? Is that something that you get recruited when you're good in your field and there's job boards? How does that happen? So I, I left Texas um, right before I went into administration. So I, my sisters were getting married. My, um, uh, my parents were getting older. And so in 1998, I moved from uh, the Dallas area back to the Chicago area and American Airlines has a hub yeah, there. So it was, places, it was yeah. easy for me to do a transfer there. Um, and that's when I went into administration and then was a high school principal for 10 years. Um, and, and so that's back in Illinois. That's then back in Illinois. Nice. And I stayed in Illinois for a long time. I was um, superintendent of uh, the sixth largest school district in uh, the state of Illinois. So how does that happen? Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I know these are detailing no, questions a, and we don't have all day, but I mean, how does that happen? So you're a principal and you're identified as somebody who's on it. I mean, I want people that are, that, especially students that are listening and just people in general, they'd be interested. How does that happen? How do you make that happen or how did it happen? So uh, you really have to have an interest in administration. So there's, there's people that, that go into teaching that that is their love for teaching and they know that that's where they want to be. They don't want to go into administration. Then you have people like myself who loved teaching, but wanted to have a bigger impact on the school. And so that's when you have an interest in becoming an assistant principal, a principal. And that's really that it's not like you get promoted. You, you have to have an interest in it. And then when there's openings, you go and you interview and, you know, you, uh, like any other job, but it's, it's, you have to have an interest in, in that particular area of administration. And it's no different than, than with a superintendent, but it's typically the path is teaching. And then you go into assistant principal, principal, and then superintendent, because then you're in charge of an entire school district. Right. And you have a little bit more of an influence and a larger sphere of influence to do. Yes. That so, and experience. So let's, we now kind of got to know you and you're relaxed. You're not nervous now not about nervous, what am no. I going to ask you. Yeah. Let's talk something because I had an experience, as I've mentioned, and, and you had public school. And let's bring in, here's a, a parent of private school kids. Okay, I, my, my children went to private school. And you and I chatted briefly at, a, at the NOSH because, yep. the, a, a, about it. And it's interesting to me because you're very fortunate. I'm, I'm sure you realize that, that this is as close to a private school as I've seen. Um, it's not a private school. I will tell you that. Right. Um, but it's as close as you can get. And I, to a lot of lifestyle, it's very expensive to put children in a private school. I would do it again. But there's differences to that. Um, and the private school has its issues, just like Beverly Hills High School has its issues, sure. just like any, any district would. But the private school way and the public school way, there isn't one that you can say is better. I, don't, I, I would argue with anybody. But when somebody tells me, well, 
The Las Virginia school district is every bit as good as a private school. I, I kind of slumped down and go, these people are just silly. Oh. They, they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and, and I'm specifically going to when you get to a public school, and these are, I guess, hard, harder questions, but they're inquisitive ones. Mm-hmm. I've always believed and seen that the teachers are stuck. They're, they're teaching to the bottom and they're pulling the top accidentally to the middle and they're just trying to pull the bottom up to the middle. Whereas in the private school, we're teaching to the top, not we as an I'm in there, but if I'm, if I'm talking and advocating for them, they're trying to pull everybody up to the top and the ones that can't really make it, they're gonna say, well, you're not gonna make it even though your lifelong dream is to be an astrophysicist, um, you're struggling in basic math, that's more than likely not gonna be a good life path for you, they're going to do that. So do you, how, do we, how did you get Bev, the Beverly Hills School District I get to be as, I guess what I'm saying is as close as it is. Is there a trick to that? Am I missing something? Well, I don't know. And I, I mean, I would, you know, just go on record that, I mean, completely disagree with, you know, it, it respectfully. No, um, it's, I, know, I want that. This is not a, this yeah. is like a banter. It's just my be, Because I, I think that it's, because it, it isn't about like necessarily pulling from the bottom, pulling, pulling from the top. Like, your, your private schools get to pick and choose. Like if, if, you know, somebody is, is in special education or somebody that's struggling, you know, they can easily say, we can't provide those services yes. for you. So in, you know, of course with public education, it's, it's everyone, but, but I look at it, it's more, and maybe it was like this before, but it, and by the way, I'm not talking Beverly Hills school district yeah, no, I'm, as a public school. I'm talking about, yeah. LA, let me be specific. I'm talking about LA unified school district to what I've, what I've mm-hmm. seen. And then I, what I saw in the Las Virginas school district, which is wonder, mm-hmm. you know, again, no, this isn't an attack on anybody. No, but, you, I, know, you get what I'm saying. I, I, right? I don't take right. it that way. Okay. I think it's really good conversation. I think, but I, it, it's really more about in, in what's great about having that private school option uh, for me. And as a former teacher is that, there's different environments that the kids will thrive in. And so it's it, some people with a smaller environment will do better and, and, and that's a, a more comfortable environment for their for them to learn in. And then others will uh, survive or thrive really in a different type of environment. I and mean, we, we actually you know, public schools, offer more than your private schools because most private schools don't have that critical mass. So you you actually and as an example, um, you know, Beverly Vista Middle School is we we have forty four elective offerings. You know, we we, we start with we create pathways for kids. Um, when you, know, you say elective offerings, mm-hmm. t- talking to an older guy now, I never yeah, like so think you, of myself as, was that, is there an offering like what I would have considered a shop class where there's wood working and there is like here where I, I've yep. told you privately and I tell everybody it's, they're so fortunate. And I think that they understand it, the culinary type of a thing. You know, we had that exactly. for, it started out as, oh, that was what the girls would take and Yep. I got to do that and as an elective class and you teaching me how to make cake. Yay. You yep. know? Yep. Um, so when you say that in middle school, is there an elective there for that? Because that's what we had. And we called it junior high school. And you would have wood shop, metal shop, electric shop. You could take any of those. And if you really one that you like, you could advance into those. Is that what we're talking it, about? It, it's evolved a bit. There are some schools that are, uh, interestingly enough, going back to some of those, like the trades. Yes. Because there's such a need for people that are going into the trades that um, you, you have several districts that are making choices to actually go back to those so that when you do graduate, you could get a job 
because of the the right. training that you've had. It may not be woodworking today. It may be working it, in technology and how it, programming and computer. Right. Some are going like back that. to that, but but ours are more like coding and and yeah. you know yeah, and, yeah. and and whether it's culinary or you know audio production. Sure. And and so and sure. it, it, it's I, I like that you asked that question because it goes back to what we first talked about is you know the, the having opportunities for students to learn at an early age if you're in sixth grade seventh grade is this an area of interest to you because don't wait until after high school because find that area and it's okay to to get into a class maybe you you want to try audio production because you think that that you know you love music but when you get and into you an get audio into it, and you're like this really isn't my yeah, and then jam you can to teach do that. yourself i don't want to quit this i want to i want to give it the go but i'm not doing this again yep. i learned this yep. isn't for me you know? i think that if we had more of those opportunities for me i i wouldn't have been a place in my life where i went to college for two years and i needed to just take a minute to pause because all of a sudden I found myself in college. Like it just was like without having those experiences to find out what I really wanted to do. And and now today though, we do that now. So there's really so no you excuse. Kind of, you, what I'm hearing from you is you believe, right, wrong, mm -hmm. or indifferent, I'm not arguing, is that the public schools here mm -hmm. in, in Beverly Hills High School, school district, have a massive amount of offerings and electives. So if anything, by sheer numbers, we have a little bit more to offer than let's say a private school. How about parochial schools? What's the perspective on that? So, I mean, I think that it's, it, it, it depends on the school. Because that affects your attendance, course. right? In other words, if, it, it if does. the trend is it, there's lesser students, where are they going? They're, yeah. they're not, not going to school. Where yeah. are they going? I, I think that's the area where if there's any kind of competition, that's the area we can compete in. Like if there is... If, if there is a, a family that wants a parochial school, wants that to be... I like my child to go to Catholic school. I like my child to go to I, a right. Judaic We won't be able to or, compete yeah. with that. However, because we do like want those kids to attend our schools, we have started to make some adjustments. So we started to offer Hebrew in the middle school. Interesting. And Interesting. so, and I don't know another school district in the country that begins, that has Hebrew in the middle school, because we as a district said, we have so many opportunities. If it's because you want your child to learn Hebrew, then we have a large population where, who are learning Hebrew that like, let That's us competing, offer that. by the way, Dr. Brady, that, it, um, again, Dr. Brady, because it's, it's, it, we're, we're in the, we're in the education company. That's competing. And what I mean is. by that is a lot of, uh, let's speak to, uh, Catholics. Okay. Right. For a second. A lot of people would like to send their kids to a Catholic school so that they don't forget or that they get a good foundation of the religious yes. theology that our family yes. would believe in, okay? That would be kind of a reason, but they also know that there's more people in the world than just Catholics. And right. people that are Jewish might say, hey, I would like my child to go to a yeshiva, yep. but that's not the level of observancy that we have, and that's we're much more of a secular. So the idea, if I could have a a taste of it. My child understands that they could have a Hebrew or somebody could have a Latin or somebody could have some sort of a class that's that way. It's good. I realize in the public arena, that's another challenge of church and state. And when you teach a religious class, um, it's challenging. But I don't know if you know some of the Catholic schools like in the Valley Chaminade and Notre Dame and those schools. Yep. They have a mass and mixed integration of all kinds of different religions. Yep. They just call it, here's the religious class. Yep. You can take the Catholic one, which 
of course, hey, that's our home team. Right. Or right. you can take the you know the Hebrew class, or you can take the you know whatever you want to take uh, that works because they want to have a little secularism, but their overwhelming theme is religion. I did not know that the Beverly Hills School District. But I think was that doing that's that. what's great too. What we see is that that some people because uh, it is important to find where your child will be most comfortable as far as learning. Where are they excelling? What type of environment? But I, I like having that choice because we see a lot of students that may start in private um, and then come to a public school. But we, we also see somebody start in public. They may go to middle school in private school and then come back for the high school. It, th- that's a great opportunity for families to figure that out. Like that's, we, I like that families can do that. It's not like you pick a place and make the best of it. We welcome that transition back and forth. How many problems does it create, really? Like argumentative problems, like, well, my child is, I don't want them thinking this way politically when it comes to religion mm-hmm. in this volatile world. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm a soft pedal in that. I don't, I don't want to put you into a corner, but it, I would assume that that's a tremendous challenge today with what's going on abroad, with you know um, what people feel in it, the passions and the political turbulence and I don't even know what the right words are to be kind about it but Mm -hmm. it's just not a fun time um, on the planet and when you're in school kids are very sponge like Mm -hmm. I think that that's got to be a challenge how do you deal with that or is there a way to deal with it well I mean I think it's you know in a public school like that's our responsibility to 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 welcome students but uh, you know it's a it's really comes down to a family decision and that we're here. Our doors are always open when it comes to a public school. So families work that out. Um, and I think it, families in Beverly Hills do their homework. And so yeah. they really do check in. And, and well, it's highly educated sort of, a, uh, and I don't just mean scholastically, it's a highly educated and aware, I guess even more mm-hmm. than educated, but sort of an aware culture of Beverly Hillyites, whatever yep. that is, yep. you know. Um, <laughs> um, and, and that's nice to deal from from your perspective, but I just, I, I understand how challenging it is for everybody. And I actually did a little bit of thought. I don't like to prepare when I talk to people on a podcast too much because I just like to banter. Yeah, this has been like, what are we talking? Oh, we just had a nice time. You'll walk out of here and go, how long do we talk? And this is, you'll, yeah. I, most people come back and go, that was wonderful. But there are some things that that are fascinating in the area of what you have to do. And I thought about it while I was doing a little homework. In that your position, while I don't really know what it is, it reminds me of Kevin Demoff. I don't know if you had the opportunity or you know who Kevin Demoff is. He came to speak to Rotary a couple of times. Kevin is basically the CEO, managing director of the Los Angeles Rams. And you go, oh, that's a big job. Yes, it's a massive job, but as massive as I can use that word massive, and you can hear that, it's much more than that. He moved the franchise from St. Louis to Los Angeles. He built the stadium, you know, and the NFL doesn't stop. Just like for you, the world doesn't stop while you're building a middle school, while you're building an elementary school, while you're doing this. So, excuse me, in a way, that's very similar. It's an just an ominous task and responsibility that you have. So when a kid has a problem and there's a, a disagreement, there was a fight, there was somebody hurt somebody's food, something on that lane, or it was an academic thing, like how do we raise our profile for everybody, for kids to find the right school? How do I get that? You've got, 
a massive amount of plates. So you remind me of Kevin in, in a way. It's an ominous yeah. And now I remember him speaking. I, right. I, I, the name didn't, but I absolutely remember him speaking. Right. And it, 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 Building it, SoFi Stadium is no different. Oh. It's just smaller yeah. than building what you guys yeah. are doing in yeah. the high school format. You know, it's just it's a different model, and it's an education as opposed to an athletic. Yeah, and it's it's it's, it's, it's ominous. I mean, superintendent's like uh, like being a CEO, and so yes. it's it's everything. So it's you know uh, opening um, uh, El Rodeo Elementary after modernization. Is, I, I've walked. It, it's it been quick, six too, years. By the way, it's like a blink of an eye. It went th- and it got done. Yeah, no. Well, ask, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so f- for six years, and so I told staff today. When we we met there, it's you know we've been closed for six years, and and the hundreds of times I've walked construction sites, and this is the math teacher, right, principal, superintendent, and and but it's also then construction, and so it's really the job is it it it's everything, and it's twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, you know, Chief Stainbrook is uh, you know, chief of the police here in Beverly Hills. And, and we talk on weekends. He'll be and, on the podcast next week, by the way. Oh, and he's a phenomenal at communication with me. And I, I just it, it just becomes a 24-7 job. And you know that going in, but you have to live it. Because right. And you're it, living it's your it. Life. Right? My point it, is it's your life. It's your life. You're you're in it. You're thriving. If you were to ask Kevin Demoff, and I have, by the way, I've, I've asked him, do you like it? I love it. Yeah. And it's like yeah. it, it, I, some people would crack and melt by the pressure. And then I don't think he explained it. It might've been somebody else that you get kind of comfortable with the pressure. And if there's no pressure, you're out of sorts. Yes. You know what I mean? You're yeah, out of that, sorts. That's actually a good point. It because have, It might've been Kevin. I don't remember, but somebody said, I'm a little yeah. out of sorts. If, if, if things are going too smoothly, it's like, yeah. well, I'm not doing, I sh- I'm missing something. And they get comfortable with that pressure. And again, for students, Hey, you got a finals coming. You got this. Sort of embrace it because yep. it's not going away. Yep, it's it's like teaching though. So, it, the more you put in, the more you get out. And so, this is the kind of job where it is twenty four seven. And the more you put into it, the more you get out of it, the more you enjoy it. Um, you know, doing this job, you could it could be very transactional as a superintendent. It could be, but I ensure that every I mean, every performance I have something every night. So whether it's a basketball game or a choir concert, do you go to them all? I, I absolutely do. And so your schedule. You can I, ask any. You ask anybody in Beverly Hills Unified School District. I'm at something every single night, and it's just as important for me to be at a second grade choir concert as it is the rival football yeah. game. You're very much as the superintendent of schools. You remind me of Dr. Robert Dorkowski, who was the headmaster at Viewpoint School. Okay. In that this dude, everything, anywhere, everywhere he can be. There's not enough hours to be where that they, they were. Yep. And yet at the same point. You actually saw he cared about every single kid. Yep. And you know, it, even the ones that were a, probably a nightmare for him, every single kid. So I got a fun question for okay. you. You know, I've heard some of the kids that I've missed, kids, I shouldn't call them kids, students that I've met around uh, that we've been, you know, come into the podcast that have worked around the podcast that friends of Colby's. They don't really have much of an athletic team anymore because they don't have things coming in and there's not a lot of the spirit and they're trying to raise that via technology and publish these games. How do you address that? I mean, is that important to you to have a good athletic program and a good choir and a good orchestra? I don't Do you have orchestra? Um, yes, of course. Yes. You say that now. Yes. A lot of public schools in the LA Unified know, you know, so you have, how do you, I guess, throw uh, um, seed into it so it grows? How do you do that? 
You know, I, I think there's a lot of distractions for students today growing up. And in, in our job, whether you're a teacher or you're um, an office assistant in the front, it, students need to have an adult advocate. And so working with students to find that area, it, much like when I was a kid, when my parents said, you're going to do something athletically and you're going to do something for your own personal for sure, self, whatever it might be, which was yeah. like, you know, Music ASB or, yeah. and like, so it was, yeah. that was, and that was the, that was the job of my parents. Like you are, you find something, otherwise I'll find something for, for you. you. Yeah. And so that, but I think that that's what's important because everybody has something to give. And I think this is the, the thing for me. And to get, and to get, they have oh, something to and give to get. and to get, and that's, especially here. That's the key. And, and so I think that is like, it's, it's not just about you participating in something. It's the, the contributions that you also give. So we, it's not just, you know, here we're going to be on this team. It's what does, what do you have to give us and make us better? And sometimes students just need a, a way to find that. And it, that's our job to do that because there are so many students, especially with all the distractions now, that they'll go home after school or they'll do something. And But find something that you like to do and and have adults kind of get you in that area. That's that's a key. It, it But it's important to have programs in every area. And But we have to... We have to nourish those programs. We have to fund those programs and and really market those programs. You're going to walk out and go, you took so much of my day away, but I want to ask you a sort of in conclusion. Okay. What are you most proud of at Beverly Hills High School? Wow. Or the school or the school district. What are you most proud of? And you could say anything that you want. There's no right answer here. I don't want you to think that you, oh, I'm going to hurt somebody's feelings. Like what specifically are you most proud of? There are so many things. I, the, the first thing that comes to mind is that uh, that I'm working with people that that come to work wanting to be better every single day at what they do. So the faculty per se it, uh, that comes first. That, so that, you're proud of the envi- the the community of of education or educators. Sounds like uh, I, coming uh, off of a day where we had professional development today. So yeah. we it was a day spent with staff. That that is you know walking over here is like walking on cloud nine because I I, I was so proud of our staff today. So that's why that's kind of a first and foremost thing. But I, I, I really think it's, we, we are so fortunate to have kids that are so, they, they come to school, they're ready to learn and they challenge themselves. They're competitive. And, and but I'm still proud of the, that they want to do better and they challenge themselves. So when you and I sit here and we open up a conversation about how, you know, we wish we would have done better. We wish right. like we're surrounded by kids that understand what that pressure is like. The competition to get into college is so different today than when we were yeah. going to college that they know. That. So I'm, I'm surrounded by. I would turn by, that down, by the way. I would turn the volume. There's the right school for every kid. The yes. idea, the pressure of, oh, I, my God, if I didn't get into USC or if I don't get into UCLA or anything. 100%. Oh, my God, I'm going to go jump off the, you know, go jump into a, stop it. Yep. You know, yep. there's no, right I, I love that everybody. you said that because it's, there is, it, it, and it doesn't always have to be an Ivy League school. You know, find that place where you want to be. It, for me, it's, it's, it's all about. When you do get into a profession, it's about the interview, it's about the fit, it's about your drive, um, and I can tell you that. I mean, just to well, you're, kind of yeah, it, it's cool, and I'm gonna I'm gonna end on this. Um, you're gonna actually get promoted to be really the the boss, because I've now learned that whether you know it or I know it or Sean Security knows it, we all work for Colby. Yeah. <laughs> King Colby. Colby. It's a King Colby. A hundred percent. I I would work for him any day. When he moves on to college, 
you actually will get to be the boss. I'll you know? tell you what. He he's one of the most influential students. I been in almost thirty years, and that he's he is somebody I'll never forget. Yeah, he's just a quality human, and he's going to do great things. So it's very how long cool. have you known Colby? I've only known him a year and a half since I. Well, actually, it's not a year. I'm wrong. Since last career day here, which is coming up, yep, so yep. eleven months, and in eleven months you get to watch this kid is into everything, and I've never met somebody that's young like that that's focused on ask him what he wants to be. Yep, oh, I want to yep. be mayor, of and Beverly not to one up you, but I will. Good, because <laughs> I'm because I'm the guest. I've watched that for eight years because I've watched Colby grow up and his brother Perry yeah. uh, and what a supportive family. The Gallardians are, are yeah. oh my God, love them. So, but I've, I, that's the benefit. I, I've, I've watched this family grow in eight years. I've watched and early on Colby's the same, like you saw that drive in him just, but watching him grow up, that's the biggest gift of this job. And just think about that when, as you, as you go and you want to feel good about it, we have a career day at Beverly Hills High School that attracted this dingling Michael Moline who roams around Beverly Hills. He says, well, I'm always happy to help. And what do I want to tell kids that I didn't do? You know, they always want to know about sports and how was I an agent and this and yeah. that. And, I, and I'm always going to tell people the truth. I've always been so told I should have been a teacher. And I say, you know, hey, I'm thinking about doing a podcast because I had done one on sports. I'd like to just do one on banter. I meet one kid. He says, I, I can do it, but I don't have the time. But I know the right kid. He's unbelievable. You have to meet him. And he introduced me to Colby Gillard. So it's fantastic. I so love how that happened. We, I just get a kick out of, well, the school happens to be closed today, but we wanted to do this, making it easy for you at KBEV. So I show up at the guard. He said, well, everything's closed. I don't think that there's anything going on here. Uh, hold on. I got to call Colby. <laughs> Not let me call Dr. Breggy. Let me call the principal's office. Let me call somebody else. Colby is everywhere. Colby knows, he knows he is it all. King Colby. So, Dr. Breggy, I, 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 please don't be upset, but we've already talked for so, so long, and I've taken your whole day, and I so appreciate it. Wow. I know you're a treasure of the community. I know how that... the, the students here, I was going to call them kids, just revere what you do. I appreciate you spending your time for what you're doing for the community, and you're just a neat, neat human. So thank, thank you, you for what you do. And to quote Brian Phelps, be good humans, you are one. So awesome. thank you very much for being on Mostly Banter. Thank you, Michael, so much. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the Mostly Banter podcast. Big thanks to KBEV Studios for hosting us and our executive producer, Colby Gallardian, for making this episode possible. I'm Michael Moline. See you next time.